But we're looking at the part three of this series in guarding your heart. Remember the scripture in, in um, Proverbs where it says, guard your heart with all diligence. And we've been looking at what does this look like. And I, this morning's title, Jen was asking me, she said, love, what's your title? So I said part three, and then I sat down and I typed this out. And I wrote, healthy boundaries through the word and community. And I, I first just want to highlight this healthy boundaries. And, you know, the reality is, I mean, Nolene actually mentioned it. She said there was a stage where she put big walls up. I think she used the walls. And, you know, there are many p people, you know, the fight and flight syndrome that we experience when we face stress and trauma, you're under attack. That fight and flight is actually a natural defensive mechanism. Either you fight to defend yourself, that's boundaries, okay, or you run, you get out of there, flight, the flight syndrome, and that is putting distance between yourself and the threat, whatever the threat is. So you either fight the threat or you get out of there. And so that is, that's boundary stuff. And it, there's a natural, we have a built-in response to defend ourselves from danger, whether it is physical, emotional, um, you know, relational, verbal, uh, however the, the, that, that attack is. But, I, but I'm putting this word healthy in there because so often, and I emphasized last time, and that, that, that so often we have boundaries but they're not healthy. We're just keeping everything out. The good, bad, and the ugly, okay? And, or sometimes we have bad boundaries and we're allowing bad stuff in. So this is what my heart is in this series is, is really that we would have healthy boundaries. And so this morning, I said to you, I'm actually talking about healthy boundaries through the word and community. So there's two parts to this message. And let's just look at it. Okay. So last week, we finished, not last week, two weeks ago, we finished off and I made this point. And, and, and this is, for me, the pinnacle understanding of boundaries is that God is our ultimate protector. And we looked at this, uh, this verse in Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I mean, a fortress, a fort, a castle walls, big stone walls. What could be bigger boundaries than God Himself? And ultimately, we need to know God as our protector. We can only protect ourselves so much. The reality is we live in a fallen world. There's some nasty people out there, okay? Praise God, none of them are in here, okay? But out there, you know, like far away, there's some nasty people. And sometimes the best efforts we make to put up boundaries to defend ourselves, we still get hurt. People get through our boundaries and our defenses. But folks, God is up. We've ultimately got to trust God to be our defender and our protector. And sometimes our healer, if, 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 we, if and when we do get wounded, to trust God to heal us in a way that we don't keep people out for the rest of our lives. And so, just so important concepts. But this verse was really on my heart this morning, uh, last night as I was preparing. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I just I was looking for a nice picture. I thought this was a good picture. This morning, Jenny was looking at the U version. I how many of you do the U version? And guess what? The verse of the day for the U version is for today. It's moi. It's this very verse. 
And so, yeah, you know, they probably sort of Googled my sermon title and thought, okay. But why have I got this verse? Because I said having healthy boundaries through the Word and through community. And so, do you know that this verse from Psalm 119 verse 105 is actually another boundary scripture? Because it says that His Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Folks, God's Word highlights a zone that we can walk in so we don't stumble, we don't fall, he highlights the way for us to walk on. The area that we mean to walk in is lit up. But that by default means there's areas that are not lit up that we're not meant to go into. And you know what's so interesting? So often people, when they think about the Word, and I don't think like this of the Word. Oh yeah, that's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I'm like, I know there are do's and don'ts in there, but that's not my experience of the Word. That's not how I relate to Scripture, to the Bible. For me, it is light. There is so much more of what reveals what God wants us to do than where He's warning us, hey, go into those dark places and you're going to get really messed up, okay? That's what sin is. God made you. He loves you. He says you go into that, to use a metaphor that Nolene used, you know, a very dark, dark damp room where He doesn't want you to be Hey, you, you could catch pneumonia or something in the spirit, okay? And so he's not a killjoy. He's like, you weren't meant to live in dark, damp places. For example, to use the metaphor, okay? You're meant to walk in the light as he is in the light, amen? And there's a scripture, if you do that, then we have fellowship one, with one another. And that's what I'm also going to get to, is how community is a boundary for us. But the first what, a point I want to make is this about the word. Now, this verse, I know you can't see it. it was, it's a, it's a, I didn't do this picture. But it's Psalm 119. Now, how many of you know a little bit about Psalm 119? You know that it's right next to the very middle chapter of the Bible, Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. And there's very interesting things about that itself. But Psalm 119, how many of you know what's unique about Psalm 119? It's the longest book, no, not book, chapter in the Bible, okay? It's the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. It is 176 verses long, okay? And so, how many of you have memorized Psalm 119? <laughs> there are folks who just relish the challenge to memorize the longest chapter in the Bible, okay? My daughter hears it. She'll probably start like yesterday. Um, so Psalm 119, the power and the beauty of God's Word. Now why do I put that there? Because it is a, a whole chapter that is dedicated to extolling the virtues of Scripture. He is raving about how amazing the Word of God is. He is shouting how delicious the Bible is. The, and many people believe it was David who wrote it. it he doesn't reveal, the author doesn't reveal himself in the text of Scripture. But he is just, for 176 verses, he's just saying, this is why the Bible is amazing. This is why I love the Word. This is why I love Scripture. This is why His precepts are so sweet to me. And he is just raving point after point after point about how amazing the Bible is. 
Scripture is mentioned in at least 171 of the 176 verses. Scripture, in inverted commas, I'll show you what that means. There are different words used for Scripture. But that means that there are only about five verses that it's not. How many of you want the challenge of finding those five verses? <laughs> okay, but next week you let me know. I found the five verses where Scripture is not mentioned. Okay, but let me tell you a little about Matthew, about Matthew Henry. Now, any of you, um, if you're a Bible scholar, you should know Matthew Henry because Matthew Henry wrote a very well-known Bible commentary um, in the 1800s. Uh, it's now free online. So if you, if you just want a, a Bible commentary, it's usually an easy one to get a hold of. But how come, I mean, it's a huge volume, massive, massive. It was one of my first commentaries that I, I got into when I was a young believer. And, but Matthew Henry's story is this, that his dad, his dad's name was Philip. His dad said to his children, and Matthew was one of his children, said to them, he said to his children, I would like you to read one verse of Psalm 119 every single day and just meditate on that verse. And, and if you do that, it'll take you half a year. Okay, you do that twice in a year, and you've done a whole year of doing one verse a year. But he said this to his children. He said, if you will just read one verse of Psalm 119 every, every day, you will fall incredibly in love with the whole Bible. Because that's what it is. This, this writer is so overcome with the wonder of God's Word. And another little story for you is the story of George Wissart. And George was a minister, a pastor in Scotland in Edinburgh in the 1600s. Now, if you know the history of England in the 1600s, there was a lot of persecution of, of Christians. And many Christians were, were, were martyred, were killed for their faith. And George Wishart was, he was literally on the gallows. And they had this tradition back then that you could have one last wish, but this is what the last wish was. It was... What psalm would you like to be sung before we put you to death? Okay, so George Wissart said Psalm 119, okay? So they had to get a singer, I don't know who sang, somebody had to come and sing Psalm 119. And the story goes that when he got about two-thirds through, at about verse 100, they heard a horse galloping up. And the horseman was carrying a pardon for George Wissart, and his life was saved. <laughs> because I didn't get through the whole of the psalm, okay? So there's sometimes that you, like, you don't want to quote Psalm 23, okay? I, if you want to know a psalm, I've memorized Psalm 23, okay? For that reason, it's good, okay? But, hey, sometimes, sometimes this psalm will literally save your life, okay? So remember it, okay? Hopefully we don't ever get a wish like that, uh, or a last wish. Okay, so what's the structure of the psalm? Psalm 119 is arranged in an acrostic pattern, or, or an acrostic poem. Psalms is poetry. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and this psalm contains 22 units of 8 verses each. Each of the 22 sections is given a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each line in that section begins with that letter. 
amazing structure. Now you don't see it obviously in the English language because we have what 26 letters and Hebrew writing is nothing like English, okay? So we don't see it, but folks, structure is beautiful. You know, some people, you know, if you've been in a very regimented kind of an environment where everything is super structured, you just want to rebel against structure and don't give it to me. I just want freedom, etc. But folks, structure is not necessarily from the devil, okay? The devil can crush people with structure, okay? But your life can also be destroyed by no structure. I mean, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? You would not be standing, I wouldn't be able to stand, you wouldn't be sitting in your chair if there wasn't structure in your body. It's called a skeleton. You would be a blob of, I mean, do you know what a jellyfish looks like? Okay, picture yourself like in a jellyfish position on the chair, okay? Some of us would be bigger blobs than others, okay? But, okay, structure is important, literally, for you to be able to sit in your chair and sit upright. So, this is beautiful what we see in this verse. The flow of this, this, this chapter, verse Psalm 119, there's not a definite flow of thought from the beginning of the psalm to the end. The sections and the verses are not like a chain where one link is connected to the other, one thought flows to the next. But it is like a string of pearls where each pearl has equal value, but it is uniquely different. I just love that. I just love that metaphor of describing it. If you read it through, there definitely are, like there could be two or three or five or even six verses where they, they definitely have a, a theme and, and some, some Bible translations will put labels in to highlight that these five or these seven have a theme. But you can literally read each verse by itself. They stand alone and they're just singing and, and, and magnifying the virtues of God's Word. Okay, now uh, I said we're going to look at the different words used in this, in this psalm to describe the word or scripture. And here we go. There's the law or Torah, which is the Hebrew word for the word law. It's used 25 times in this psalm. The word word, which is dabar, 24 times. The word judgments, 23 times. The word testimonies. 23 times. The word commandments is used 22 times. I've got all the Hebrew words there as well for those of you interested. The word statutes is used 21 times. The word precepts is used 21 times. And then another Hebrew word for word is used 19 times. So this is important for you when you're reading the psalm that you, you, that you can see, hey, this is referring to Scripture. This is referring to the Word of God. Different words to the same, the same idea. Now for me, we're going to read a little bit of this verse, this chapter. You know, this, this psalm for me has been a go-to psalm when I find that my personal passion for God's Word is waning, if I'm becoming familiar with the Word, if I'm becoming, um, you know, you become uh, uh, just dry, it's like, Oh, yeah, no, it's not, you know, read the word. Let's check out, you know, somebody's status this morning. You know, that could be more juicy than the word, whatever. You know, when I get to places where I'm not valuing, I'm not appreciating, I'm not hungering, I'm not thirsting for God's word, 
I think, okay, boy, you need some Psalm 119. You need to get yourself realigned here. You need to get your, increase your hunger and your passion for God's Word. And folks, that's the reality. You know what was so interesting? When we were, uh, we, we were commenting about um, Pastor Eric's word last week, and he spoke about transitional faith, and in our staff meeting, and one of the comments that Amu made in our staff meeting, she said so she was so struck by the reality that our faith is constantly moving. Now, that's a good thing if, you're moving, if your faith is moving onward and upward, Christian soldiers, okay? But you know that your, sometimes your faith can also be like, you know, like my, when my wife has an accident and some, some person, be nice, some person drives in front of her when she's driving through a green robot, okay? They are a person. Jacques, remember, they are a person, okay? <laughs> a person, okay? <laughs> so, so what happens there? You're like, God, where are you? God, what happened to your promises? Okay, Jean, you need some Psalm 119 over here. You're battling with God's promises. God, you gave me that car. Lord, I really like that car. Okay, let's read Psalm 119. Okay. You know, when you want to whinge a bit. Okay. So, what are we going to do here? Okay, now, turn to the... So people think this is really scary. You get to see everything that's happening on the pastor's phone. Yes, you do. Okay. So, I'm going to read... I've got it on the screen. Have we got it on the screen there? Okay, this is from my little Bible app. I use the Olive Tree Bible app. This is, and I was really praying about Lord where. There's 176 verses to read. Don't worry, we're not going to read them all, okay? But I just wanted to, like a taste, like a, a smidgen. I don't know if, if that's a real word. My wife uses it, a smidgen. A smidgen of Psalm 119. And it's on the screen I'm reading. You can follow if you want to just close and listen. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses, and I'm going to finish with verse 105, which is our, our, our theme verse. But I'm reading the Passion. The words you speak to me are worth more than all the riches and wealth in the world. Your very hands have held me and made me who I am. Give me more revelation light. Sorry, the passion uses that word for the word. So that I may learn to please you more. May all your lovers see how you treat me and be glad, for your words are entwined within my heart. Lord, I know that your judgments are always right. Even when it's me you judge, you're still faithful and true. Send your kind mercy kiss to comfort me, your servant, just like you promised you would. Love me tenderly so I can go on, for I delight in your life-giving truth. Shame upon the proud liars. See how they oppress me, all because of my passion for your precepts. May all your lovers Follow me as I follow the path of your instruction. Make me passionate and wholehearted to fulfill your every wish so that I'll never have to be ashamed of myself. 
I'm just going to go on. I, I wanted to just uh, give you a, a smidgen, as I said. Verse 89. Standing firm in the heavens, fastened to eternity, is the word of God. Your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. By your decree, everything stands at attention. For all that you have made serves you. Because your words are my deepest delight, I didn't give up when all else was lost. I can never forget the profound revelations you've taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Lord, I'm all yours, and you are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing you. I'm just going to go on to Psalm 105, verse 105 in the Passion. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Isn't that beautiful? So what, one, of the, one of the things we want to just do in the discussion afterwards, we just, you know, for the discussion, we just get in small groups, and one of the questions was, we're going to ask you just to read a couple of these verses, and just to share which of these verses spoke to you, and just also share why, why that particular verse. So just wanted to highlight that to you. Okay, so let's go to PowerPoint. Okay, let's go PowerPoint. Come on, let's crank up the power here. Okay, so I actually wanted now, we're going to a whole other level. I'm even going to play a video now. So this is a video. Pastor Steve Murrell posted this. Uh, well, it came on the weekend. He sent, I saw it on him, and Pastor Roger also sent it. And so Pastor Steve Murrell heads up our every nation family of churches across the world. I don't know if it's four or five or 6,000 churches right across the world in more than 80 nations now, between 80 and 85 Last year we went into 80. Folks, pandemic didn't stop us planting churches in nations last year. I think there were, there were quite a few nations that were pioneered into last year. And so I'm going to be playing a video now. So we've never done this before. So all the tech people are, are, are getting very excited. Hey, Amun. Okay. So, here we go. Okay. Let's see. Ooh, really, it's no. Okay, how's the sound? Is the sound up there? I understand. Okay, let me check my sound. Okay, there we go. At the beginning of 2021, Every Nation churches all over the world started the year the way we start every year, with a season of fasting together. Our theme was Awesome God. Now with 2022 fast approaching, I'm excited for our global family to gather together again for our annual week of prayer, fasting and consecration. Consecration simply means setting ourselves aside to align with what God wants to do in our hearts, in our lives. Joshua 3.5 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do one nation people all over the world to this time of consecration for the upcoming year. Our 2022 week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. 
I'm so sorry. It worked perfectly before the time, I'm telling you. But we weren't zooming as well then. I don't know. It's, I think it's the Wi-Fi network. There must be a problem. Um, um, Cynthia, uh, no, 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 no. Let's just leave. Let's just leave it. So we will share the link. We will share the link, folks. What's the theme? Abide. Okay. Was it? Abide. The power and the beauty of God's word. That is our theme for our prayer, fasting, and consecration coming up in January. And so those dates, it's, it's I think the 10th to the 14th. It's like the second week in January. And this is going to be a theme throughout the year. So let me go back to PowerPoint. There we go. Okay, let's, let's fire her up. Okay, are you seeing us there? Okay. And there we go. That's the theme. Are you? You got it. Okay, my screen's ahead. Abide the power and the beauty of God's Word January 10 to 14. And so I was just so delighted when I, when, when, when I got this info and that the theme for the prayer and fasting and, and in the conferences that we'll have, the Every Nation conferences, the campus conference I'm, uh, next year, this will be the theme, abiding in the Word, the power and the beauty of God's Word. And so I'm sorry the video, we'll, we'll share the link, we'll send out, it's, it's on YouTube, so it's very easy to do. So that was the first boundary that I wanted to speak about is the boundary of God's Word. The light that God lights for us to walk in. And, 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 I, and, I, and I want to say this. I remember hearing this story years ago from, from my pastor. He said this, you know, sometimes when you want to go home at night, you know, say you, you're at church and we have some meeting here and you want to go home and you don't stay close by, wherever you stay. When you drive out here, your car's lights don't shine all the way from here all the way to home. But your car's lights shine far enough ahead of you that you can find your way, and not make an accident, and drive safely and get there in one piece. And this is the thing about God's Word. You know, so often people are like, yeah, but what about in 2027? You know, it's like, you are here right now. What has the Lord wanting you to do right now in 2021, in November 2021? What is your understanding of God's will for your life right now? If you are faithful and 100% passionate, you want to walk in the light of the revelation of what God has shown you right now, I guarantee you when you get to 2027, He will show you how you should walk where you should walk, who you should be walking with. Amen. And so let us just embrace this, this delight of walking by the light of His Word. So I want to speak now about the boundary of community, the other boundary I want to look at. And I want to start by just putting up John 10, verse 1 to 21. In John 10, Jesus is talking about the Good Shepherd. And it's those immortal words, especially verse 10, where he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and more life more abundantly. But what are the characters, what are the, 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 the pictures we see in this metaphor? And we see in these verses, up to verse 21, we see a good shepherd. We see sheep. We see a sheep pen or a sheep fold. A sheep fold is an enclosure that the sheep were brought into at night to sleep in. Okay? We see a gate, and Jesus talks about 
metaphorically what the gate represents. We see a thief. We actually see thieves. Jesus mentions more than one. He, twice he talks about thieves. He talks about a hired hand or a hireling or a worker that just works for wages. Okay? And then he talks about a wolf and the flock, which is, which is all the sheep together. Nowhere actually in this story does he talk about one single individual little sheepy. In every, in every time he's talking about, he's talking about them all together. In other words, folks, you know, this concept of being part of a community is just so biblical. It's so, this is how God thinks. But, but many people don't think like this. And I just want to highlight also that there's a sheep pen and there's a sheep gate. The sheep pen is enclosed, the sheep are in. Do you see boundaries right there? Remember we were talking about healthy boundaries have doors and gates to keep the bad out and the good in? Do you see over here we have characters like wolves and thieves, the baddies? And actually a hired hand, a hireling, and what Jesus said about a hireling is that, hey, when the wolf comes, he's out of there. He doesn't really care about the sheep, he's only in it for his wages. What is, what is a hireling? Somebody who is just in it for what they can get out of it. But when the tough gets, when, when, when the tough, yes, you got, okay, he's not one of those guys, okay? When he gets tough, he's out of there, okay? Whereas the true shepherd hangs in there through thick and thin, he protects his sheep, he fights off the wolves, he defends the, the sheep from thieves as well, etc. So, anyway, I'm not going to get into too much of this, except I want to highlight just one, one verse firstly, verse 16. And I have other sheep that I will gather which are not of this flock. Folks, I said to you before, the church is the only organization in the world that exists for the benefit of non-members. I'm totally delighted if you're here and you consider this church to be your local church. But folks, remember, Jesus looks at us and He's seeing people out there in our city that are not yet part of us and He's saying, I'm working, I'm working. Look what He says, and I, their shepherd, must lead them too and they will follow me and listen to my voice and I will join them, I will join them. This thing of being joined to a sheep, uh, to a flock, is so biblical, it's a godly thing. The scariest in, in that picture of, you know, sheep pens and gates and thieves and wolves and hired hands, etc. You never, the, 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 to, to those boys who Jesus was talking to, his disciples, the thought of a sheep being alone and not Peter, part of the sheep fold, being part of that enclosure, particularly at night, is unthinkable. If you were a lonely sheep out at night, you are toast. You are history. You are a delicious supper for a wolf or a thief, etc. I mean, that's just how it is. How come we pride ourselves on that, you know, I follow Jesus only. I don't need people. I mean, you are so vulnerable if you're not part of the sheepfold. One of my biggest concerns in the last two years with all the lockdowns, etc., is how many sheepies have got disconnected from the sheepfold. And 
it, it breaks my heart, and, but we would respect people who decide, you know, you know, I'm going X, Y, Z. That's fine. But folks, just personally, personally, just think about this metaphor and just think about if that's the wisest thing to do. Now, I was reading the other day, and I was reading the book of Acts. Come on, phone work. Why is it not working? There we go. And this is Paul the Apostle saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Now, the, the church in Ephesus he'd established, spent two years there, loved them. It's a beautiful church. And he's saying goodbye to them. And if you read this, it goes on, they are crying. It's so sad. But he's talking to the elders, the leaders, the shepherds. And just so, so that you can see how strong the sheep metaphor was in the church culture, look at how Paul is using it. He, he would have known Jesus' teaching on this from John 10. But just look at and, and apply it now to, our, to a local church and, and our local church. So guard your hearts. How many of you know that's the series we're talking about? He's talking to the elders, guard their hearts, and then he says, be true shepherds. Okay? This shepherding thing and guarding your heart, it, it's together. Be true shepherds over all the flock and feed them well. Remember, that's what Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong to Jesus, the anointed one. Folks, I'm not standing here in obedience to any man or allegiance to any man. I'm here because I believe the Spirit of Jesus brought us to Peter Maritzburg 16 years ago. Amen. And what I'm doing, my number one desire is to obey God. Amen? And the day God says, pass on the baton, it's time to hand over leadership to this church, folks. I want God's will there as well. Amen? He goes on to say, belong to, belong, the church that belong to Jesus, and just, don't you think our name is people? just wondering if it's a biblical godly name, belong to Jesus, his people, you know, that speaks about belonging over there, okay, which he purchased and established by his own blood, verse 29, I know that after I leave, and this is just the metaphor, remember Jesus spoke about wolves and thieves and things, verse 29, I know that after I leave, imposters, who have no loyalty to the flock, remember you spoke about the hireling or the hired hand, who have no to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. Verse 30. Even some from among your very own ranks will rise up, twisting the truth to seduce people into following them. This is one of those scriptures that's like, oh God, you know, for me as a shepherd, I'm like, Lord, this is hard. This is hard. When we had our first boundaries discussion over here, I joined a group and Cass was there. And he asked, Cass asked us to answer a question about boundaries and I and I spoke something about that I definitely see personal application in my life but an application that I see as a shepherd of this flock is establishing boundaries in our local church and let me tell you it's not easy it's not easy but I believe that it is biblical and godly this pulpit I have a responsibility to God. Folks, not anybody 
who emails me, and I've literally had people emailing me and saying, listen, if you want somebody to bring the word on Sunday, you know, I'm available, you know, or, uh, you know, I'm traveling in KZN, you know, whenever, next month, if you want me to bring the word, you know. I, folks, this, this, this pulpit is a gate. It is a gate into your lives. It is a great responsibility that, that I carry to feed you as a shepherd. And I will not let any Tom, Dick, and Harry come up here and take the mic and bring the word. And, you know, it is my responsibility, okay? And I carry that with a soberness and a sobriety knowing before God I've got to give an account. Amen? And so these are just things that, you know, I was, I was sharing with some people and they said, sure, I've never seen it like that. I've never really seen it from that angle. I've seen it from this angle. And I thought... Well, this is a reality. This is biblical thinking. So, why do so many people love Jesus but have nothing to do with Jesus' followers? You think that's, that's always when people say, oh, no, I love Jesus. I just, I just don't like the people that follow him. Why is that? And, and I was actually listening to Musa. Musa ministered on this recently. Firstly, there are external factors like individualism. You, you know, the prevailing worldview in the Western world is humanism, where man is the center of his little universe, and whatever you decide goes, whatever you, whatever value, truth, whatever you want to embrace, that's fine, you know, you go with it. But at the core of it is individualism, where we idolize the individual. And you know the consequence of that is that it's actually anti Anything groupified, anything communityfied is, hey, you are violating my individual rights to decide what I want to be, who I want to be, where I want to go, what I want to say. Folks, that is not biblical. That is not God. Just read the Bible. It, from Genesis to Revelation, his passion has always been a people, not a person. Okay? This is not his person church. It's his people church. Okay? God has always thought of a people. And then, Musa was sharing this, and she honored Saviwe. How many of you know Pastor Siv? He's awesome. She said the external factors. That's external factors, why people don't want to be part of community. It's out there. But this is internal factors. Firstly, sheep bite. <laughs> you know, this is where you nudge your neighbor and say nothing, because, uh, you know... <laughs> You know what that elbow means. Sheep bite, folks. We live in a fallen world. We're in a process of becoming more like Jesus. But how many of you know we're not always like Jesus every moment of every day? And sometimes I was just picturing this. You're in the sheep pen, and the sheep are hearing or smelling a wolf out there, and they are stressed, and they are freaked out. And maybe one sheepy is right next to the edge of this fence over here, bites the sheep next to not because they want to eat sheep, but because they're freaked out because of the wolf on the other side. Now I'm using a simple metaphor that hopefully nobody's offended. You know, so often I use stories and people are like, do you think they were talking about that person or that person or that person? No, no, no. I know. I've been there. Sometimes when I'm stressed, when I'm smelling wolf, when I'm freaked out, my wife has just had a major accident, etc. I may say and do things that are not 
you know, typical sheep behavior. But we still need, that doesn't mean we now say, I'm getting out of the sheep pen, I'm going to live with the wolves. We don't do that. Okay. Wolves in sheep's clothing. In Cape Town, we had quite an issue where there were literally criminal syndicates that were targeting churches. Why? Because churches are soft targets. And Christians don't look after their stuff. They leave their cell phones on their chair, you know, their handbag over there with a wallet sticking out of the handbag. And so let's go to church and get some cell phones and make some money, okay? It was hectic, guys. We're, you know how hectic is when you get up in church and you say, folks, please, listen. Now, we were, I mean, the church in Cam was big. I mean, it, uh, we had a 5,000-seat auditorium. And so it was hard. But you know, having to get up and say, please, folks, please don't leave your cell phone on your chair. And I still don't think it's a good idea. Phone off my chair. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. I thought, oh, oh Okay. And my wife, I don't know if you've noticed, or often I'm picking up her phone off her chair and giving it to her, okay? Uh, and right now people are putting their cell phones away, okay? I see that hand, I'm, I see that hand. <laughs> now, I'm using an analogy, but, but the reality is, what is a wolf in sheep's clothing? Folks, unfortunately there are people who will come to church not because they're seeking God, Okay? Now, I love the stories of the guy who came to church because he knew there were good-looking girls at church and got saved and got turned around and married a good-looking girl in the end, but for the right reasons. I love those stories, okay? But there are guys. And, and again, please, if you're sitting here, don't leave right now. If you fall in that category, all the girls will notice, okay? So just sit still. Okay, okay. There we go. Okay. And then Kayla Shepherds. Folks, careless shepherds. And what is a careless shepherd? It's just where you don't take responsibility for the, for, for the God-given task that God has given you, you know. I think in the past, I, this, in some cases, I have trusted too much. I've just believed people had noble motives. And, and you know, after time, time reveals all things. You just realize, no, no, that's not so let's go on. I want to actually finish with a scripture. And it's 1 Corinthians 12. And this is where Paul the Apostle is writing about the body. But he's talking about different members. And it's such an amazing scripture. Because he's, again, he's highlighting the fact that being apart from the body of Christ is just not how you meant to live. Let me give you an example. How many of you, you're walking down the road. I'm sorry, I know many of you walk to church. Imagine you're walking to church, and as you're walking down, down the road, you see a body part on the side of the road. Okay? Now, how many of you think that's, that, that's fine? That's, that's normal, you know? A toe, a finger, a ear, you know, a spleen, you know, I don't even know what that looks like, you know. It's weird. But, you know, we come across Christians and it's like, you know, me and Jesus, we like this, but I don't need the body of Christ. You're like, you are weird. You are freaking me out right now. 
because you're going to die so soon. Because how many of you, you cut your finger off and before long the life is gone out of it? You, 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 should, you should freak out and say, oh my goodness. You, 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 you. Give you another story. Pastor, this was in England many, many years ago before there was electricity and etc. He went to go visit this one upstanding member of the church that never attended church. And he went and uh, he went to go visit with him. And they're sitting in front of the fireplace. You know, England is freezing, you know, and uh, you, they're sitting in front of the fireplace. And this, this well-to-do guy is talking to the pastor about Yo, how busy he is and all the business deals he's doing and how much money he's going to make for the kingdom and how many missionaries he's going to sponsor. And he's talking and just, but you know, he hasn't been at church for like years. And while this guy is talking, the pastor gets a pair of tongs. He goes to the fireplace and right in the middle he reaches and he takes a red hot coal with a pair of tongs takes it out of the fireplace and he just puts it on the side of the fireplace, just on the side over there. Puts the tongs down and sits down. And he listens to this guy telling about how all the amazing things he's doing. And then the pastor says, thank you man, that was a lovely cup of tea, thank you so much. And he leaves. And walks down the road. When he leaves, the guy's standing there and he's thinking, you know, the pastor didn't say anything. I did all the talking yet. You know, I mean, I, I told, told some nice stories. You know, I enjoyed listening to myself. But, you know, the pastor said nothing. And he suddenly thought the only thing that the pastor did was reach into the fire with a pair of tongs and take out a coal. And as he was thinking about this, he looked at the fireplace and he looked at the coal. And on the side of the fireplace where the pastor put the coal was just a little pile of ash. It was dead. And the penny dropped. And he was like, oh, my goodness. The pastor didn't say anything, but he said so much. And he ran down the road. Pastor, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll be at church on Sunday. Now, listen, you can come to church and not be connected. Eh? You can come to church and just like tick off a box like, God, did you see that? I did my good deed for the day. What Paul the Apostle is talking about here is being connected to the body. And another funny story I was saying to Jen. Imagine a body okay, that has a big toe connected somewhere over here on the head. And we also think that's quite weird, okay? Big toe's meant to be down there, and big toe's meant to be connected to the foot, and the foot's meant to be connected to the leg, and etc. There are connections that God wants you and I to have that He has ordained. You know, people are like, I just, me and Jesus, you know, I'm the big toe stuck to Jesus' head here. And he's saying, no, 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 there's, there's, there's purpose that I've created you for, and you need to connect to the rest of the body for that. And so let me, let me just go to, uh, go to that, and, and I'm going to, again, we, we're doing this so you can all see um, how the pastor works his phone. This is wonderful. Let's go. You're all like, hmm, okay. Let's see how good he is with his phone. Here we go. There we go. Okay. It was fairly fast. I did get this ready beforehand, by the way. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12. In the Passion. Just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one Spirit we all were immersed and mingled into one single body. 
And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same spirit. You know, verse 13 says, For by one spirit we are immersed and mingled into one single body. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, people think Holy Spirit does, you know, heals somebody, miracles, that's all He does. The fact that God has joined you to this body, do you know that's a work of the Holy Spirit, according to this, this scripture? It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, in fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. You know, one of the things, I'm just trying to think that Oni made a point. I don't know if it was the discussion last week or sometime. She said she's particularly concerned about people, maybe it was Amul, help me out here, about people who don't feel a part of the body. Folks, this is, was it you, Oni? Who was it? Jenny was telling me. Was it Zina? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are so many people, folks, it's not that you don't belong. It's the thing that you, you believe you don't belong. And I remember the moment when I started going to his people. And I was at, it was that time where, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And, I? and I remember reading a scripture. It was in Ephesians chapter 1, and I think it was the New King James. I'm just trying to think how the scripture goes. Where, where it's, it says that you... Yes, this, these are the exact words, ver, verses. It's, it's chapter 1 of Ephesians. I remember reading this verse. It says, you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. And that, that is what the Holy Spirit did for me, that I was attending His people as a visitor. It was like, yes, I belong. I wasn't sure if this was... That, I read those verses in the New King James Version. I mean, this is going back like 35 years or so. I read this, you are accepted in the beloved. And I was like, okay, I'm young. Nobody did anything to me. Nobody said anything to me. It was something in my heart. I just clicked and I said, I belong. And Paul the Apostle here is speaking to people who somehow feel like you're a foot on the side of the road. You don't belong. He's saying, no, you do. Think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designated each member and placed it in the body to function as He desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there, would be a body, no, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now see that there are many different parts and functions but one body. He's emphasizing difference here. So do you realize if you're sitting and you're saying, well, I'm feeling very different. Well, glory, hallelujah, I'm glad you're so different to me and feel different to me. That is body. And that's why I love the multicultural aspect of our local church as well. That is how God has ordained it to be. Verse 21. For it would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you, and equally wrong 
the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker of our parts, the more vital and essential they are. Yeah, he's going after, you know, when pride and arrogance gets in, you know, and you're like, well, I'm the main preacher around here, yeah, and you know, you, you don't do much around here. He's getting to that arrogance where one part may think I'm better than the rest, and he's saying, no. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. You sit here and say, well, my role in this church is so insignificant. And God, it is significant. Verse 23, the body parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect, and the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser and members who lacked it. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the other with mutual concern, and so that there will be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. You are the body of the anointed one. Each of you is a unique and vital part of it. Each of you is a unique and vital part of it. You matter to God. Amen? You matter to God. And I want to I, I wanna just close. We are, we are finishing now. So let me go back to PowerPoint and just get there. We looked at that verse. Here we go. They devoted them, Acts 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word. We've looked at that. And to fellowship. We're looking at that. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now we haven't had communion in a very long time. We've inquired with other churches about communion, how they're doing communion. And I'm delighted to say we're having communion. We're going to be finishing off with communion. And the, the, what I love about communion is that in Bible times, it was done in community. Now, you are most welcome to have communion by yourself at home. Do it. We did it in lockdown often. But communion in Bible times was done in community. And so how are we going to do that? Well, firstly, just an important principle is this, that we're not serving it. We're going to ask you to help yourselves to communion. And so right in front here, here's a table with communion elements. There's communion on, on the white table over there. And there's, so there's the, the, the table on that side. So there's three places you can get communion. But how are we going to do this? We're going to ask you, we're going to get into small groups now. We're going to get into, um, to discuss, just discuss some of this. And then we're going to have communion in the small groups. But you are going to individually and socially distance spacing thing, get it right. Help yourself to communion elements. Bring it back in your small group. And then as a small group, we're going to ask you, to please just have it together, okay? And I know many churches do communion in many different ways. Um, this is how we are asking that can we do it today. We, we also sometimes do it differently. And so get your communion elements, bring it to your group, and then whoever's facilitating that group will just facilitate a moment of having it together. And it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe, 
and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Folks, this is the result of them being true to the word, them fellowshipping one, with one another, them breaking bread together, and them praying together. Amen. Let me pray for you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the beauty and the majesty of your word. I want to thank you for the life in your word. I want to thank you for the light that you bring to our path when we walk according to your word, Lord. I want to thank you for the protection. I want to thank you for the boundaries of your word. And Lord, I want to thank you for community and the boundaries that living in community provide for us. The boundaries of having shepherds that will watch out for us. The boundaries of being in a sheep pen where we know we are protected. But ultimately, God, we come back to the reality that you are our protector. You are our fortress. Lord, there are times where our community, we get sheep bite, whatever, Lord. We discover there's a sheep in, in or a wolf in sheep's clothing in the sheep pen, not the other way around, Lord. But God, we choose to do life the way you've ordained us to walk. In Jesus' name. I pray that every one of us as a part of the body would find our place, that we would celebrate every part, whether they are honorable or significant or not. I want to come against the lies of the enemy that have made people feel they don't belong. I speak the truth that I heard, that you are accepted in the beloved. Lord, I speak acceptance to break the lies of the enemy that would say you don't belong. In Jesus' name, we nullify the lie that you don't belong. We say you are accepted in the beloved. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.